You're listening to Tabletop and Beyond, Guild 9 Gaming Podcast, covering board games to war games and beyond. And welcome back to Tabletop and Beyond. I am your host, Jason. <laughs> We're keeping it. Dude. It's twice now. He doesn't know his no. own name. <laughs> oh my gosh, I was looking at your name. Okay, all right. Welcome to Tabletop and Beyond. I'm your host, Justin. I'm here with Jason and Dan. <laughs> Hey guys! <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so embarrassing. You wish you could be Jason so bad. Oh. So Sometimes bad. I do. Sometimes I do. It's it's funny because I tell you, my whole career, Justin and Jason, those two names get switched so much in every business setting I'm in. Can I tell you how many times I get called Jason? It's unbelievable. Yeah, and and I get called Justin all the time. It's really? just something about those two names. Yeah. I, uh, my own grandma used to call me Jason. <laughs> and here's the, here's the best part. I once got an like email. I once got an email from a close coworker and it was addressed to Jason. J like they typed out Jason comma, <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay, I, I'm just going to roll with it. I yeah. just answer to it now at this point. Yeah. And clearly I've now started calling <laughs> myself it. <laughs> Well, you know, the confusion happened because I'm super excited today. Today is the day that we are announcing the winner of our first official Tabletop and Beyond giveaway. All right. Dan, why don't you tell us what we're winning today? The winner waiting, is... I'm waiting for like a Dan drum roll or something. I know, right? <laughs> That's a keyboard tray. Got it. Not a... Be sure to sample that for later. We may need that. <laughs> Uh, our first winner is Wendy Sutherland. Congratulations, Wendy. Right. Huzzah! Huzzah! Uh, Justin, who refers to himself as Jason, may re- be reaching out to you regarding your address, and we'll get it in the mail, and hopefully you get it soon. Congratulations. So now will never know who's actually reaching out to her. I know. You guys will be like the Bobs, the Jasons. You guys got to talk to the Jasons. So thanks, Wendy. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for hitting like and all that good stuff. And thanks for everybody else who participated I am certainly happy to give this piece of my gaming history to uh, somebody who will take the game and hopefully enjoy it. Yeah. Cool. I I am excited to do more giveaways in the future, and uh, so this is definitely the first of many, I, I hope. I love it. Love it. And then yeah. if uh, Wendy plays the game, or it, maybe, hypothetically, she could come on and tell us about how it went. That'd be cool. That'd be very good. If she's interested in doing that, she may but be like, I don't want to be on your podcast. <laughs> That'd be cool. I mean, yeah, sure. But I, I'm running under the assumption that everybody wants to be on our podcast. It's because Nathan gushed too much last time. Way too much. Yeah, it's okay. It's true. It's he true. It. But he you know what, it. Nate? He's we love it. you. He's earned it. He's earned it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we got a good show today. Uh, last week, we didn't record because we were busy playing a game. Uh, it was called Escape from the Dark Sector, and uh, or Escape the Dark Sector, sorry. Escape the Dark Sector, and we are going to do a full review on it today, so we're excited to do that. But first, Jason, why don't you tell us how your Geek Week was? Well, I had a fun Geek Week. Um, I decided to watch GoldenEye again, the old uh, James Bond movie, Pierce Brosnan. And that... Classic. Uh, classic. Yeah. I t- and you know what was fun? Is the whole time I was watching this movie, I was remembering playing the game. On the, the game, oh, yeah. yeah, the, the uh, or, uh, Nintendo N64 game, yeah, yeah, N64. 
And it's crazy, like how much of that movie was all of the scenes that were represented in that game. Oh yeah, absolutely. Except I mean, for the weird pyramid thing that was uh, in the game, yeah, but not in the movie. Right. Is that, I remember we played the multiplayer on that pyramid thing a lot. Oh yeah, it was a, one of the better maps for sure. Yeah, yeah. But hey, but, listen, proximity mines on facility—that was like money. <laughs> Oh man, I remember all those years going back and trying to do the um, get the timing unlockables on the uh, the uh, first level. Oh yeah, you know, just running yep. it and trying and ru- trying to run it with just this gun and only this gun, or trying to run it without you know um, uh, killing anyone and just all those all those cool like challenges that were in that game. It would unlock the, like different yeah. characters and guns for the multiplayer, right? Yeah, and my yeah. favorite was my favorite unlock was like the bobblehead. You remember that one? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the giant heads everyone had. It's a great game. And, you know, it wasn't a bad movie. Um, I watched it again, and, you know, there's always, you look back on that and, like, the soundtracks. There's goofy, yeah. you know, kind of goofy 90 soundtracks going on and stuff. But at the end of the day, it was a fun movie. It had a lot of good action uh, in it and um, uh, a lot of good uh, throwback. So it, it's on Netflix. There are several oh, nice. Bond movies on Netflix now. They don't They don't have all the old ones yet. But there's a lot of like, and I mean when I mean when I say all, oh, I mean like Sean Connery and right, Roger, um, uh, yeah, Roger, uh, Roger Moore, Roger Moore, Roger Moore, the Roger, Roger Moore, Moore. yep. But they do have uh, Brosman and uh, the 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 latest guy. What's his name? Daniel Craig. Yeah, they got Ooh, the Daniel nice. Craig. That's good. On there, so that's uh, if you're interested, have a Bond night. So and, I was actually oh. thinking of Goldeneye this week, um, not because I saw it on Netflix, but because the satellite facility the the radio satellite facility in costa rica you uh-huh, know like yeah. where they end up at the end of the movie yep yep totally collapsed. collapsed yeah oh that's right For, in real life yeah yeah, yeah. in yeah. real life like i was like dang you traveling <laughs> when i saw it <laughs> <laughs> that's funny yeah, yeah. I, I wonder how many other memes said that i know right as well <laughs> but so, it's good uh, um, the bond, the bond stories all have a really important structure to them, and it's a really fascinating thing. If you know what to look for in every Bond film, there's have, a girl. There's, it's not just the girl. Check. He always, <laughs> he starts halfway through. He starts in the final chapter of his last mission. He always reports into um, the, uh, you know, the control or whatever. And many and, penny. Many penny. There's always that moment. He gets two amulets from Q. One will work and one won't. So they all have this. They all have this very predefined structure. And there are smarter people than than me who track it. But um, if you're paying it, if you're playing the home game, uh, Bond movies can be a lot of fun. You can check things off the list. Nice. Oh yeah. Oh, there's always two females. One is a safe savior, and one is a. Um, a, a, an enemy and a femme fatale right yeah. so they have these very specific notes that every almost every movie plays i don't know about the last couple from uh oh Daniel i still Craig. think they, i still think they're there because there's always to the two women and all that yeah yeah anyway that's part of the fun of all then there's so many bond movies too what are they up to a couple dozen i mean they're yeah great. There's, you can usually like on uh, on voodoo they have specials it's like 100 bucks for all the bond movies and i am almost pulled the trigger every time but uh yeah. they keep releasing them on the other streaming services and, and stuff and don't they have like doesn't like tnt do like a bond marathon over christmas or something like yeah, that? yeah I, I feel like it's somewhere around there they do yeah you have cable for sure no, but... The streaming service. <laughs> the TNT streaming service now, right? Exactly. Do I, does TNT oh. do a streaming service? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. 
Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Who does have cable anymore? I'm sure it's on Hulu. I bet you could find a bunch of those on Hulu. My mother-in-law has cable, and my parents. Yeah. I actually think I have every single Bond movie on our Plex media server. We won't. Yeah, probably. We won't, we, we won't do a deep dive on Plex for Legitimate, this episode. Yeah. Legitimately on my yes, Plex Yes, server. because you owned the disc, That's and therefore right. you were able to... Uh, uh, Rip the uh, <laughs> encryption and break the encryption because you physically own the disc, right? Well, we're not going to make this wink, a DMCA wink. episode, so let's just... Uh, <laughs> we're not going to go down this road. So and my, we're not the gonna... other thing I did in my Geek Week was uh, we got a new member of our family. His name's Scooter. He's a little uh, little uh, vacuum robot. Oh, nice. nice. Okay. Yeah. So, I was uh, like, oh, no, he got another dog. <laughs> That's what I thought, too. <laughs> right. I was like, Jason, too, was yeah, plenty, bro. I know, I know. <laughs> and it's actually because of the dogs that we got the vacuum. So our our house has uh, has hardwood floors, and the dog hair just piles up in the corners. Nasty. And so, yeah, my wife's like, "This is almost a deal breaker. We've got to get a, a robot vacuum." And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> so so I we get a robot. I think yeah. I would just call it slave slave vacuum the floor <laughs> thrall. <laughs> <laughs> just point you know with your phone <laughs> throw now uh no uh so yeah so you know it's funny it um it actually does a really good job picking up the uh hey, the dog hair nice. and then making its way back to the little base and dumping the hair and everything and it has gotten lost once it it was like you know <laughs> we were watching a movie like a christmas was it movie down the family. street <laughs> <laughs> no, was it some 11 has anybody seen scooter has anybody dad, seen scooter dad pick me up the front door's <laughs> open why is the front door open <laughs> no no like we were watching a christmas movie or something and uh it had been like an hour and a, like it comes on every night at 10 30 right uh and the dogs ignore it which is nice but like uh we were watching a christmas movie and it was like a little after midnight and we were just kind of finishing up and stuff and and it was still roaming the house. And we're like, what's it still doing roaming the house? So I pulled the little app and it was like, it had been returning to dock for like an hour and a half. That's tr- hilarious. Trying to find the dock. <laughs> I'm thirsty for electricity. Someone feed me. It would be the best if you pulled up your phone and instead of saying like, you know, it's been trying to return to dock. It just had the uh, John Travolta meme where he like walks in and is like looking around. You know, like <laughs> right. the, hmm, right, I don't know right. where I am. Like, what's going on? Yeah. Or it's just like, help me. Help me. That's so funny. Anyway, that's my gig. It was fun. You got a ro- You have a real robot in your house. Doesn't that feel good? I had yeah, a. We had cool. a Roomba like ten years ago, and I think they've come a long way since. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Ours would. Our, ours would never return to dock. We've always wait. had too many steps, like you know, yeah. split level, and yeah. it's like. You just have to say, well, if we got one, this rectangle would be vacuumed. The rest of the house <laughs> would right. never yeah. be vacuumed. Right? Yeah. yeah. Yep. All right, that's it for me. Cool. Uh, Dan, what you got for us? Well, um, we started a new uh, new uh, Star Wars RPG campaign. We had a session zero. We got the guys together. Um, We came up with what era we wanted to play in and what theme, whether it was Edge of the Empire or Age of Rebellion or Force and Destiny. They ended up on Force and Destiny, and we talked about all the different pros and cons of all the different eras, and we decided to... Uh, drop it like the, the uh, within weeks after the end of episode nine. So there's no canon. There's no nothing. It's all sky's the limit. There's nothing saying you can't, you know, be the hero of the story because Luke Skywalker is out there somewhere. So nice. Um, should be fun. We're looking forward to that. Characters are rolling in in my inbox, and I'm reading them and getting interested. I know there's a lot of excited people for this. That that. 
that makes me very nervous. Um, but yeah, <laughs> makes me very nervous. Yeah. You run a good Star Wars campaign, though. Probably the best in North America. I'm yeah, going to say that do. at least. Yep. You're very kind to say that. I appreciate it. And it's great because you have such a wealth of knowledge about Star Wars that when we sit down at the table to play any kind of a Star Wars game, you can you really help bring the theme alive and the atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah, well, really, really well done. Well, if we do it in person, I'll have a, a game table that lights up. Ah, yeah. If we're on, you know, the lava planet, I have fire mode. It's so good. I, can, I, I have this app with like 30 different scene settings, like nice. a babbling brook or a forest glen. <laughs> it's so awesome. Does it make noise too? No, it doesn't. But uh, the, the proper, visual effects are there. The, pro- the programmers believe that all the different flickers should make you think of a babbling brook. So good for them. Uh. Uh, it, it's all just blinky, blinky, colorful lights. But um, it was all designed by hearing impaired people. Exactly. <laughs> hey. But uh, that's my second Geek Week item is when Nate was here the day after we uh, recorded, we quote finished marked one of the game table that we had been ta- I've been talking about on the podcast for months and months and months and it was basically done except for um, the other improvements I wanted to make and pretty much I started immediately on the uh, enterprise 1701-a version of it because um, uh, I there was a engineering flaw uh, the legs the eight legs I thought would be strong enough but I did these prefab legs with these metal plates that you get at Lowe's. And I thought, Mm -hmm. well, you know, four of them's not strong enough. So let's double it and do eight. And even eight was not enough. So um, I've gotten to fabricate four really huge, big, chunky, chunky monkey legs out of four by fours. And I'll be able to put removable dead drop casters. Those are the casters that go on the side and you could lift them up. So there's, there won't be anybody kicking wheels when they're sitting down. I can, put four casters on, wheel it because it's heavy, wheel it anywhere I want, and then pull those casters off in about a m- couple minutes. Um, and so uh, one other cool thing about the table is is it, because I'm changing the design, there was going to be some kind of ugly hex bolts on the outside. So getting multidisciplinary here, Nate and I figured out you could go online and buy awesome gl- glossy hex bolt covers that are made for harley davidson motorcycles oh. that look shiny and i got black and chrome ones they kind of have a darth vader aesthetic to them just a little bit yeah it does I'm at sure. least so, at yeah. least a kylo ren or what somebody but it, it, <laughs> it, it's not just going to be ugly you know zinc bolts out the side sure. people will be yeah. like Ooh, what are these i'll be like you know, don't don't tweak them. You just you're just allowed to n- nuzzle them. Don't don't. Punch. Anyway, sorry, but anyway, um, so a lot of work. Um, I so I've gone basically back to work on the game table and um, getting it to where um, I'm I'm happy with it. I've also bought the metal clips that I'm going to use for the drink holders, so um, that'll be another fabrication exercise. I if I get super bored in the winter, that's one I can do in the garage. I don't have to go outside as much on the table saw. So anyway, lots going on. And this is this is the takeaway. I'm sorry I've gone on a little long about this. Is there's kind of pain for a table versus doing it yourself. And I realized the biggest benefit to doing yourself is not the saving money. And it's it's the learning. It's the skills. I've had to teach myself so many crafts. I've had to teach myself about upholstery mm-hmm. and leather work. Yeah. And, you know, wiring LEDs and I've had setbacks and each one of those setbacks has made the thing better. 
And yeah. so, um, do you think you're going to come out about even if you had bought a table? Or I, I'm you... still saving money. I'm still okay. Sa- yeah, there you if, go. If I base it off of Wormwood, I'm still saving money. If I base it off of one of those other companies, I'm I'm still I'm still ahead of the game. I'm yeah, sorry. yeah, especially with the complexity that your table has. That's true. Absolutely. I literally went on uh, Etsy and found two or three tables that had that were basically eight seaters that had, you know, the feature set that I kind of have with LEDs and two and a two stage and leaves, and they were all about twice as much as I've paid for, yeah. for for materials. But it's not only I paid for the materials. Obviously, the time investment is not necessarily a bad thing because I've um, it's been a relaxation thing yeah. for me to go Keeping out. Keeping you off work. the streets. Yeah, exactly. I'd be out there whoring it up. No, um, <laughs> uh, no, it's like, oh, hey, I'm going to go out in the garage and unwind for a bit and putter around. Puttering around in the garage as a, an old man homeowner thing has been great. And because I'm doing carpentry that's not like affects the value of my home the stakes are a little lower so right anyway, yes uh, all uh, at the end of the day if somebody is interested in messing around with learning carpentry for fun for the purpose of enhancing their gaming i would say do it um because even if you end up turning the thing into firewood you will, you will have gone on an adventure where you didn't know the end from the beginning when, when you started yeah and you might make something that's uh, used for quite a while I hope so, if I'm lucky. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And I would like to point out that this is a great time to plug our Discord channel. If you are not on our Discord channel with us, you are missing out because you could see the pictures of the game table that Dan is talking about right now. So um, I just was thinking about this. I'm going to go on Facebook, and I'm going to pin a post that you can get to our Discord server and join us. Uh, I mean, there's lots of channels in there about gaming, uh, about uh, 3D printing, about game furniture, about lots of nerdy, geeky stuff that we all love talking about. RPGs, board games, uh, Mandalorian. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Yep. So, um, yeah, great. Uh, I will get into my Geek Week. It's a kind of fairly subdued one. I have gone down a Warcry wormhole. I go down, or I go down, well, rabbit hole. I go down a lot of rabbit holes, in case you guys haven't noticed. Mm-hmm. I get fixated on something for a little while and really, uh, you know, plummet to to its depths. And so um, Warcry, though, has been on my forefront because they just released the four faction books. It's the Grand Alliance, um, let's see, it's the Sentinels of Order, the Harbingers of Destruction, the Bringers of Death, and the Agents of Chaos. So you have those four books that came out for Warcry. Um, what I love about them is they have all of the factions, all the warbands that you could ever have with the cards inside the book. So I don't have to go out and try and track down all the card packs that belong to everything, especially since many of them are out of print at this point. Um, they're all in there. They've expanded some of the some of the um, uh, warbands, so now you can take more units with them, which I think is really cool. Especially um, Jason and I, we played like I, I played a lot of Night Hunt against him, and I just felt like an army of chain rasps was a little weak. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they just didn't have a lot of oomph. But now I can start taking my hex rays, which are which are basically like the knights, yeah. and um, some other things too. So I think that that's going to be very cool, um, and uh, so I'm excited for the book. And I was getting on the uh tabletop simulator tonight and there's a nice ready table for us to play so i think 
Jason and I were talking about uh, running some campaigns from the Warcry books and having different factions and different battles and kind of recording them and putting them up on YouTube so people can see what all the fuss is about. Sweet. Yeah, people so can uh, can can see us fight on the table on the tabletop, yeah. virtual tabletop. Yeah, yeah I would and, watch and, that. and if we uh, if I'd we watch. have a disagreement, maybe somebody could see us fight in real life. Oh, yeah. so good! That's I would right. watch that. They, we, yeah, that's what I would show up and eat popcorn. Sorry. That's right. <laughs> uh, the other Geek Week thing is that we did um, was that uh, over Thanksgiving weekend, which we hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, over Thanksgiving weekend, we snuck in an RPG session, which is not normally our monthly RPG session. So we snuck a little one in, and that was kind of we ended up having a lot of fun with it. Um, there was a lot of uh, role playing that was going on there. We, ha- I-, I think, we have a good group of role players. Um, I was I hoping think so, that yeah, yeah, I was hoping that you guys would um, get two quests done. You got zero done. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. But you're close to you're but close to getting so two much. Done. Yeah, yeah, but there was a there was a great moment where um, this was an interesting point. Uh, there was a great moment where one of the players snuck out in the middle of the night, and um, he was a little miffed at me because I allowed others to wake up and see that he had just left, you know. And um, so there was a whole investigation, <clears throat> and like crazy things happened, and um, a lot of deception going on. So there was a lot of PvP um, social. Uh, encounters going on. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I thought that the group did really, really good with it because it could have gone south. It really could have. Um, but I thought the group did really good. Uh, there was a good stopping point where I think Jason and Lincoln basically said, okay, well, we're not going to get any further with this, so yeah. let's just move on. Yeah. You know? So. Nice. Nice. And it was, a, it, was a good, it was a good point. But it brought in some, I thought, good party conflict because um, there's good party conflict and there's bad party conflict and I thought it was good party conflict in the sense of like the characters are kind of feeling each other out and you know they're banding together but at the same time realizing that there's a lot more to each other than they think you know so yeah it sounds it like a good really session good. it was it was uh, a lot of a lot of world building going on well not but development uh character development for sure a lot of character development yeah. there was a there was a good chunk of world building too yeah you know I mean, what there you was guys, yep. you guys got the inn and we're trying to figure that out and yeah i mean we know. basically own the place now for the yeah. we will eventually <laughs> you know even like we got the keys you <laughs> got to work with your distributors on all your different yeah. ales well i know uh, one distributor we're not going to be working with yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> This is role playing so, a small business. So yeah. this is like this was my one of my favorite things. And um, the book says that there's a shopkeeper named Iriski Harrow Hill or something like that. And it says that she's a retired human assassin and that um, that she finally she she just fondly recalls all the people that um, she once knew in her life, you know? And uh, I took this to an extreme. Is that I, that's all it says in the book. But I took it to an extreme. That like anytime people were like, "Hey, um, I, I want to sell you this magic necklace," and they're trying to like pull one over on the shopkeeper, and she goes, "I had a necklace like that once," you know, and she would just like <laughs> launch into this story of how like you know this necklace was was on some person and they were killed over it, and it was a really sad time. And yeah, and he's wondering why we didn't get any quests done. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, yeah. how much for that rope on the wall? Let me tell you about that rope. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> it was great, though. It was so funny because you guys were like, I don't want to go back to the shop. No. We're not going back there. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody got stuck with Grandma. Yeah, it was great. It was fantastic. I thought it was hilarious. It, it was, was pretty funny. Cracked me up. So pretty funny. It gave a lot of life to that NPC. That's for sure. You guys will never forget her. That hey, getting a great NPC and getting a memorable one that people really feel like is a character. That means you've done your job exceptionally well. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, it was good. So yeah, I th- there's other stuff uh, that I did, but you know those were the two big ones. So that was kind of my geek week. For you, man. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. Uh, Dan. It is geek news time. Do 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 do. Oh, sorry, I did Muppets again. How do I how do I do that? <laughs> it's one? okay. Geek news. That's still a little Muppet. That's a little Muppet. How can I do? Here we go. We can do like like network news from the eighties or nineties. There's that one. That one is that one's Morse code. We could do. Now we're just wasting time. We, if we don't decide on a news thing, we're going to just fall into this rabbit hole, this wormhole rabbit hole for Every a long time. time. All right. This is good news. A lot Ill, Illuminati confirmed is now on Kickstarter. This new video game is I based. I knew they were real. I yes. knew they were real. I knew yes, it. I knew it. They are confirmed. The new video game is based on the Steve Jackson card game from 1994 oh. about conspiracies, secret societies, cults, and more. Oh. The satirical game replicates the gameplay of the card game on Windows, Android, iOS, Mac, including uh, cross-play with expansions already Whoa, planned. Cool. The game is available for a $35 pledge. That is going to be kind of steep for an iOS game, Android game. Yeah. Uh, $60 pledge gets the first expansions, and a $110 pledge gets all three currently planned expansions. It's kind of kind of a bitter pill to swallow financially for a game, but... Um, You're paying for nostalgia. Well, this game was a big deal back in the day. You guys uh, may not be aware, but Illuminati was one of the big card games when Magic the Gathering came out, and people loved it. Um, I would, you know, I, I'd run into people all the time who weren't gamers who are like, you know what I played? I played a game called Illuminati and I beat the game by, uh, getting, uh, by having Hillary Clinton and getting Bill Clinton's brain in a jar. And I was able to control the world. That's literally, <laughs> that was literally a combo you could do in the game. So, um, it's cool. It's really cool. Um, $35 is a little steep. That's just me personally saying, but I would be interested in keeping an eye on this one, um, as it comes out. Nice. Yeah, Illuminati. And it's got a fun kind of, there's a fun kind of vibe to secret, you know, mm-hmm. secret, uh, you know, conspiracies. It's like conspiracy. The world behind the world. It's, it's conspiracy theories for fun. It's, make, it's making light of conspiracy theories and stuff like that. And your, your goal is to build out your Illuminati uh, triangle of all of the different puppets puppets in your triangle that you are controlling um them in the universe so it's cool um should be fun next news announcement we're finally getting our hands on details about dune adventures in the imperium role-playing game from modifius there's been a full cover art reveal and it looks really cool guys 
If you're not familiar with the novel series and the films spawned from it, Modifius posted a good primer on the story and setting on their blog. Oh, that's cool. The game will use Modifius's 2D20 system and come out in four editions, one with the standard cover and three special editions themed around House Atreides in green, House Harkonnen in red, and Imperial House Carino in purple, plus launch support with custom dice, GM screen, journal, and more to be announced. So it looks really good. If you go to Modifius's website, it looks pretty sweet. And the cover art, I don't can't I can't speak for the red and purple and green versions, but the standard version looks gorgeous. That'll be cool. And <clears throat> you know, we've got the uh, new Dune movie coming to now HBO, right? Yeah, uh, next yeah. year or so. That'll Which be interesting. Which means I won't see it, but no. <laughs> Well, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff coming to HBO. That might be one of those where I like, yeah. you know, I pay it for like a week or something. For a week and then unplug. Or yeah. like one month, yeah, or something. Like yeah, that. Wonder Woman's coming out Christmas Day on HBO Max, and um, they were saying that um, a lot of the Warner Brothers movies in 2021 will do the same limited theater yeah. release mm-hmm. with a full HBO Max release. It's gonna destroy the theater market, man. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that the Dune uh, role-playing game is going to come out not too long after the movie. Yeah. So there'll be a right. lot of people who maybe will be getting in, into the Dune um, universe through the through this film. And the film from the 80s is pretty great. I watched it all the time. And I liked both the yeah. series they did on Sci-Fi Channel. They were very different from the film. So if you only saw the movie and then you watched the two Sci-Fi Channel series, they were very different. But I love the books and I love the story. And I don't know if I could even run a good Dune game. I, 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 it would take a lot to wrap my brain around running an awesome Dune game. I'd have um, to. I'd have to read the books all over again. Well, I think you could probably get away with probably reading just the first book. I mean, yeah. it depends on when the GM sets the game, but you know that that book is such a classic from 1965. It really stands the test of time. It's an amazing novel. Get it on audiobook. Get it in paperback. It's everywhere in every library. Oh, so, novels. There's like a ton of them. Right, right? And it, but that's my point, is that I think you only really need to get into the first novel oh, or, or, or watch yeah, yeah. Watch the first movie, you know, or, or, you know, watch the 80s movie or the movie that's coming out. We'll probably cover all that stuff. So. Now, have you guys ever seen the uh, documentary on the, the Dune movie that was never made? Yes. Oh, man. That's <laughs> crazy. The, yeah, totally. would have been a totally different experience. Yeah, it oh, a, my gosh. It would have been a, a, an LSD trip. Artwork um, from Geiger himself. Oh, my gosh. Just, oh, man. It, yeah, I kind of was like, I want to see this movie. <laughs> which, is, which is kind of funny because that i heard that that whole book was just supposed to be a um kind of a satire on the like middle east oil Oil, policies and all that you know and so to go from that to like sci-fi uh you know lsd trip is kind of funny yeah yeah it's about ecology it's about power (laughs) structures it's about oil and all there's there's it's beautifully layered for anybody who's who's not into it it's one of those books that you could say you know, your eighth grade English teacher probably had this on the list of books that you could read if you were a sci-fi geek in eighth grade. You know, it's it's that good of a of a universe, and it's 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 a lot like Lord of the Rings in the in the world building. So yeah. the, the world doesn't work the way our world does. It's set you know in the year ten thousand nine hundred. It's really really good. So um, 
if if you're thinking about getting your toes wet, I would definitely um, I I I definitely point to it. Or if Good you have if you haven't seen any of it, if you're totally a Dune uninitiate, just wait and watch the movie, then read the book. Because yeah. otherwise, you'll be sitting there the whole movie going, "They did the book's different. The book's different. The book's different." So anyway, that's my two cents. The last news item is Jeremy Crawford, who's the lead designer from Wizards of the, the Coast, spoke with Dicebreaker about the changes to race and alignment in Tasha's Guide to Everything. Crawford said that the motivations were to decouple the choice of race from choice of class by limiting inherent mechanical bonuses attached to race to stop leaning into the... Th- to stop leaning into a theme the game has had since the 1970s of a particular species having these innate advantages, which are uncomfortably like some of the racist narratives in the real world, unquote. Sorry, there was a quote, unquote, there. I apologize. These changes, according to Crawford, were an attempt to honor, quote, the game's early legacy, while also acknowledging that people want to be able to create characters they want. Is that... <clears throat> is that trying to walk a tightrope? Has uh, well, ugh, I I, bat- I botched the quote, but anyway, he talks about it. it's a tightrope. Yeah. So the last piece nugget there, I won't read the blurb, but it's essentially that he said that the changes made in Tasha's Guide to Everything are just the beginning. There, it'll be an ongoing thing. They'll also be wrestling with the alignment problem, like connect, you know. Uh, I, I know Tasha's already decouples alignments with certain races, but they're they're going to be going deeper into that. And I hate the alignment system anyway, so anything they do different, I automatically like. What is it that you don't like about the alignment system? It's dumb, uh, in my personal opinion. <laughs> it's okay. dumb. Right. Like, yeah. Next. <laughs> I, I, I know I'm being reductive. I don't like a narrative like you would never like sit down and write a movie and say the hero of this movie is always going to be lawful good all the time or the hero of this movie is always going to be neutral chaotic or or whatever the different thing is i I just and the other part (coughs) is is that it's used by gms to bash players over the head for player choices Right. It's oh, it's when the DMs say, well, you wouldn't do that because you're chaotic good and that is a neutral evil thing to do. So That's interesting. you wouldn't do that, right? So it becomes kind of this weird way DMs um, backseat drive players. Sounds like you've had an experience with this. Um, not, 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 not like last week, people. Not like last week. But I, I, um, I, I think it... It, I'll tell you, I, I'll tell you this with the alignments. You. I think that um, the way I have always used them when I used to DM D&D uh, 3.5 edition was I would always say, if I would only bring it up if a player was having a hard time figuring out what they would do. Yeah. Like, I just, I don't know what my character would do. What's your alignment? Bring it up. Okay, think about what that would do. It, it was always just... A, it was always just a tool to help in a role play situation. To help a story I don't think I ever enforced along, yeah. it. Yeah. And I have, but I mean, I remember in three and a half, I don't remember if, in some rule book, I do remember it reading, you know, reward players when they play their alignment. And I'm like, yeah. eh, I just yeah. reward them for good role play. Yeah. I haven't seen a lot of other games kind of tackle morality in such weird nine nine it's kind of a nebulous three times three grid 
I mean, I, I, it just get, it makes my stomach turn every time I have to deal with it. Um, so it's a lot of it is just mm. my personal, your personal taste in gaming will vary from mine. And I'm just one man's, yeah. this is just one man's opinion. I guess it is not entirely necessary to have a good role play experience to, to have, a, to have established and written out what the alignments of the characters are. I like to use it as a starting place. That's a good, and that's a good way to you know, do it when you're you doing know, character creation. Um, so, like, you know, in at that moment in time, as a snapshot, when you guys start your adventure, someone may start out lawful good, and I think what that means is that for them to descend into, let's just say, chaotic evil, you know what I mean? That is kind of a giant leap. Like, you wouldn't expect them to go full murder hobo all of a sudden. Yeah. You know, and if I were a GM, I'd be like, really? Like, you know, I, I would ask that. I'm like, listen, it's your choice if you want to do that. But it just seems like a logical leap that you have this paladin who's all about justice and all of a sudden going murder hobo. Yeah. You know, so yeah. um, but I wouldn't I wouldn't complain if throughout the course of your sessions, he was, you know, maybe descending into madness a little bit, you know, seduced and by a succubus. It, it, yeah, maybe it, it twisted. Maybe something happened, and and he is becoming lawful or chaotic evil, yeah, or something. You well, know. I mean, at some point, that's so. how the the uh, the black guard were formed by a fallen paladin. Yeah. Ooh. Well, the other the other complaint I have against it it is a, a kind of an unnecessary way to create tension between players that are trying to sure. make a collective mm-hmm. choice mm-hmm. to go left or go right. You have one group of players who are like, hey, we're lawful good. We're going right. And the other players are like, you're crazy. That's suicide. We're going left. And um, and sometimes in some of the pre-published modules, they'll say, well, your characters on this alignment will be able to do this or won't, won't oh, have access, yeah, no, won't no. Have access the, to this kind of loot. And it, The Knights of the Old Republic, uh, yeah, in a force yeah. model. It just yeah. feels – I mean, I'm not going to bash it all night long. It's not my favorite game mechanic. It's probably my least favorite part of D&D at all. And I do own D&D books. I play D&D. I have it on my shelf, but it is – Straight up, my least favorite part of D and D. That's just my opinion. Just my opinion. I'll shut up now. Sounds like we need a. a, a I don't know. We kind of in depth this one, but uh, <laughs> maybe a, a alignments across different systems. That might be an interesting. Yeah, or podcast. their equivalents. Yeah, their yeah. equivalent mechanics. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I think we've cool. covered it tonight. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. We're good. Hundred percent. We're good. We're good. Do we have any other news, Dan? Nope. That's all I got. You guys got anything? Uh, not nothing for me. No, man. Nope. So let's get to our main topic then. Uh, we are going to be talking about Escape the Dark Sector. Uh, I will not do this justice, so I'm going to turn it over to Jason, who has purchased the game, and let us demo it on Tabletop Simulator. Go for yeah. it, Jason. Yeah, we and I brought, if you remember a couple episodes ago, I brought this up. This was my geek week, as I played it on Tabletop Simulator. Um, and I decided, because I saw it, and I was like, man, this looks really interesting. Pulled it up on Tabletop Simulator, played a couple games. I was like, I really like this. So I bought I bought it, uh, and I would tell you, my, it has been played in my house a lot. Um, and that says something. I mean, my little kids are playing, and this, this system, and we'll get into it, the system is so simple that my little kids, my five-year-old is throwing dice in this game yeah. and having a good time. It's like, because at the end of the day, you're just, you're kind of matching symbols, yeah. Um, and for little kids, you can be like, roll the dice. You got to make it look like that. You know, it's even they can get involved and play. But at the same time, the older kids can geek out by reading the actual flavor of the card, you know, 
uh, and that kind of stuff. But I love the game. It was published by a company called Themeborn. Um, they did another game called Escape the Dark Castle, which has very similar mechanics. That one came out first in 2017, I think. Um, this one is a sci-fi. That one, as you could probably expect, is a uh, fantasy-based system where you are in a castle trying to escape, doing various quests. In this one, it is a sci-fi setting. It is a very dark, retro-atmosphere game. All of the cards are in black and white. And it's kind of that old, kind of sketchy sci-fi look to it. Um, it. It definitely looks like a lot of the artwork that was in RPG books in the 1990s yes. when they could RPGs could not afford full-color press. It was yep. black and white line, and if you got a couple color page inserts, you were in good you were in good stead, but yeah, um, it's very uh, ink, uh, ink art heavy. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but um, it's it's a cooperative game. Uh, so just to to rehash, even though we went over it a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, you and your crew from the theme, you're trapped deep in the brig of a station uh, or a jail, however you want to say. And the goal is that you break right at the beginning of the game. You break out, and you've got to find your way back to your ship so that you can escape. But unfortunately, this is a ship that must be manned at all stations. So if one player dies, you lose the game. And it is one of those games that you yeah. lose the game a lot and a lot and a lot. I've only won it once when I play with you guys. It's because um, of our skill. That's right. <laughs> well, <laughs> but, uh, you, people underestimate how useful it is to have a whole bunch of minds bent on a single purpose working together it's true. in harmony. It's totally true. Totally true. Uh and yeah, the I mean, ability to roll a digital dice. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, well there's that. Sure. I mean, there's the underlying strategy theme, too, right? Like, you know, the, the concepts where it's like, well, we've got to, uh, we really need one more item. So rather than run away from this monster, let's fight the monster. Whereas, you know, more of a casual group would be like, no, nah, we're running away. We're not going to fight that thing. You know, stuff like that. But uh, I'll say a uh, very fun game. Uh, it's a story-based game. So when you play the game, you start by um, taking these cards called chapter cards and it's really fun these cards are probably i don't know maybe like five by three they're they're an odd sized card they're pretty big are, are they tarot cards uh no they're not tarot okay. cards are a little more thin and rectangular these are these are th just big they're like enlarged well you know there might be tarot cards that are in these sizes my daughter has several tarot decks and hers are more thin and small they might be what a three a three point five like photo image okay. size. Yeah, or, you know, that's probably by better. Three, three by four, four by five, three by five. That's probably a better way to say it. Like one of the old time photos and stuff. That you old time photos. Old time when we yeah. used to. Oh boy. We used to All go right. to Costco to pick up our so photos. So what you're saying is they're like Polaroids. Polaroids. <laughs> you gotta wave them. You gotta blow you gotta them. Wave. Right. Yep. Shake it. Shake it like Anyways. a Polaroid picture. Yeah. Oh boy. When we uh when when you play the game, you sit down, it takes like it take seriously, I can set this game up in 2 minutes. Yeah, um, it was pretty quick. There are 3 acts in the game and in each one of those acts there are several chapter cards you play. So you grab 3 of the, you grab 4 chapter cards from each act and you put them together in the order they are. So you have 4 random level one, act 1 cards and 4 random act 2 cards, 4 random act 3 cards. And you place them on top of each other, and then you put a boss card at the very end. These are all randomly shuffled. So what's great about that is there are a ton of chapter cards. So you can play this game so many times, and it feel, the dungeon-ish, if you will, feels different every time you play it. Uh, you will come across cards that are the same, but uh, the order of the cards and the sequencing 
of the cards can give you a very like thematic feel like you're living a new story every time you play the game and i really uh like that aspect i've always liked kind of random setup games where the game feels a little different uh every time you play Um, it definitely adds to the replayability um, of doing it because if it were the same cards over and over, you could just figure out a pattern. And yeah. A yeah, I mean, like yeah. we we play Dark Souls, right? Dark Souls is the same setup every time, Ugh. and so you know, we, you just kind of figure out like what it is, and then you move on to the next scenario, and it's okay. I mean, that's how Dark Souls is. That's the point of it. You know, yeah. that's the point of it is it is the same. You have to figure out the right pattern to do it. Um, but this game, you know. It, if it were the same every time, I think you'd play it twice and be like, okay, I'm done. Yeah, we're done. You yeah. Uh, but with the randomness of it, you could play it over and over and over again and, and you know, even never even see the same card. And the other thing that makes it kind of interesting and random is that uh, you guys are just breaking out of a detention center. So you have some very basic starting weapons that you were able mm-hmm. to steal off of, like the guard shack right next to it. All of the good items are shuffled in an item deck. So not only is the kind of the dungeon crawl is new every time, the items you get to help you through that dungeon crawl are also randomized, and that Which can have a really big impact. Which makes or breaks. I mean, oh, yeah. those items will make or break your ability to or, or like play this game. Yeah, and so. most of the items are like you know uh, they're either weapons or they're things that help you modify your dice rolls or heals you. You know. Yeah, or heal or gives you heal. There's not a lot of you know, <clears throat> different categories of item cards, but they are drawn with different flavors um, yeah. and stuff. So it kind of adds to the theme. Um, so, yeah, so a very simple game. Uh, you p- pick your crew member when you start. There are three stats in the game, might, uh, cunning, and wisdom. And each one of those crew members is better at two of those and bad at one of them. Uh, so it's good when you play the game to pick a crew member that balances out. And what I think that's fun about the game is every crew member has their own special dice. And it literally has the crew member's name written on the dice. Uh, and that the dice has different, um, you know, has a different balance of those symbols based on what that crew member is good at. Uh, so if you're going in to try to attack or go, get through a chapter card that is going to need you to, like, kind of test cunning... Um, if your guy is good at cunning and you roll your crew dice, there's a better chance that you'll get a cunning symbol on the dice... But if you're not good at cunning, um, though maybe there's only one side of your dice that actually has a cunning on it. So it gives it a little bit of flavor with the different crew members. Um, yeah, well. And these, these dice come into play when you flip the cards over and there's something that happens. You run into a trap. You have to sneak by somebody. You have to fight you know, a, a bad guy. There's always these little challenges that you have to do at the bottom and you have to roll for it. I mean, not always, but... This is what the dice is for. You have to roll this challenge, and every, you know, every time you roll a, you know, a fist or a cunning or something like that, then you can kind of check that off the list of things you need, and um, it ends up, uh, you know, that's how you, that's how you kind of beat the game is through your dice. So what I like about it is you're not just rolling a d6. I mean, it's a d6 dice. But or die, sorry, it's a D six die, but it's not a D six. Because it's you got the symbols. Because on them. the faces, they've mm-hmm. messed with the probability curve. It's not like they, yeah. there's not six options on right. a die roll, which is my favorite way to roll dice. Is breaking, is having messed up probability curves. It's my favorite thing. It makes it interesting, yeah. for sure. I think um, <clears throat> I thought I would read a couple chapter cards. I think it's interesting. Um, because, you know, <clears throat> right now we, I think we've kind of described the theme a little bit, mm-hmm. but the, uh, the flavor of these chapter cards, it's not just turn a card over and, oh, there's a bad guy, right, let's fight him. 
or turn a card over and there's a trap and we all have to kind of try to get around the trap. They give you choices on these cards too. Like for example, this this one I, I think is an interesting one. Uh, you know, you come into a room and there's a really cool uh, art picture there. It says, you pass a room where an engineer is repairing droids. She is mm. so absorbed in the work that you spot an opportunity to steal from her. And then it says, as a group, choose one option. Move on. Why endanger the mission? Turn to the next chapter card. So that'd be an easy one if you guys were hurting for resources or health or something. But then you also have an option, steal. Nominate a member of the crew to try and roll cunning in one attempt. So you have one try to roll a cunning on the dice. If you succeed, you get to draw two item cards. If you fail, you fall loudly into the room and you have to begin combat. So you get choices that your group can make as you come into these situations. I thought that it makes it fun. Cause, and, and it adds to the replayability, too, because otherwise, every time I would draw this card, whenever I played the game, I would think, oh, it's the robot dude. All right, let's fight her and get her items. Right. But maybe the, na- the next time I play the game, it's I get to this robot chick later in, later in the sequence, and I'm really hurting for health and resources. I'm like, man, I really can't, I can't risk it now. We're going to have to sneak by this time. Mm-hmm. It makes it interesting, I think. Yep. Or you're hurting for health and resources really bad, but you need an item. You know you're you coming up get to the those boss, items. and so yeah. you got to do it, and it's just a tough choice. Yep. You know? So yeah. it's great. Yeah, so there are a lot of cards like that, that, um, you know, choices that can end in combat or can avoid combat. Um, there are traps, um, you know, like you run into a room, or you turn a corner, and there's a turd on the wall. Uh, <laughs> one one <laughs> crew member Did you say a try turret? to roll. You said a turret, right? Turret. Okay. Yeah. I thought I you heard said turd. I thought you said a turd, turd on There's the wall. There's a turd on the wall. <laughs> turd on the wall. I was like, "Hi, <laughs> This sci-fi got dark. That yeah, real dark and grimy. <laughs> gritty. Anyways, yeah, gritty. Uh, you know, so there's there's challenges. Another thing that I think is fun about the game is uh, when you do when you are ready to flip a new chapter card, you have to choose one member of the crew to flip the card. And that card may have flavor in it that says, you know, basically the person who flipped the card has to try something. Um, so you don't always know. You don't, you know, what I mean? you may yeah. flip a card that requires you to do something with wisdom, and maybe your guy's really bad at wisdom, and you just got unlucky to be the guy in the lead when you went into that chapter. And now you have to, you'll well, fail. Well, I have remember to fight. one card that we flipped. You, you were, you were the guy that was in the lead, and you walked in and had activated a trap that Dan and I fell oh, into. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Remember? The and trash so because compactor. you were the lead, you were the one that yeah, it was a trash compactor. And so because you were the lead, you had the opportunity to try to save us while we didn't die. Tried not to die. Yeah. And um I think we got squished pretty good. Yeah, because every round that I failed to roll to pass my check, you guys had to pass a might check to try to keep the compactor right. from crushing you. Yep. Yeah, and I, so- I kept failing. Yeah, it's fun stuff like that in the game. So it's a very thematic uh, game. So easy to play. Two minutes to set up, like two minutes to put away, uh, and even little kids can can play. You know, if you don't want to focus on the theme, just focus on the face of the dice and just make it a dice game. So circling it's, back, I really yeah. liked the mechanic of uh, we know who the thing is going to happen to. The first person, you the players have to decide who's going to go into the room first. And that choice matters and has to kind of be done collectively. 
I loved that. That was great because you you're either going to be the guy who's like the tip of the spear. You got to be the guy who's in the middle of the fight. You're yeah. going to get hit with a trap. Something good happens to you, but bad happens to the party. I love that. I was so so in favor of that. It was really great. And so yep. um, I thought that was just one fun mechanic. So it wasn't like whose turn is it? Well, you know, because I thought it was turns at yeah. first. Well. Well, you know, I went first last time, so it must be Jay's turn to go in the room for it. No, it's not. It's who's ready who's ready to, to take point, and that was yeah. great. Yeah, and we were talking a lot of times like, well, uh, I don't have very much health, so Jason should go. But, again, you know, he could activate a trap that would kill you and me, Dan. So, yeah. you know, we just kind of said, well, you go first, and we're just going to hope for the best because that's kind of how the game is, right? Like. Mm-hmm. You just uh, you don't know what's coming your way, and you just kind of make a decision and hope for the best. So I think that was really good. One thing that I really liked about this game is that um, the cards, while they are not meant to necessarily connect, like there's not a narrative, you can kind of form your own narrative through it, you know, mm-hmm. um, if you want to, and you can kind of develop your own connective tissue between the different chapter cards. One of the ones that we ended up getting... Um, said it was like one of the first ones. Remember, there was like a, a body in the hallway. And oh yeah. It said it said a contract has been fulfilled. You know, and I'm like, well, how do we know that? Like, <laughs> we just came across this dead body. Did you he know? leave a I'm note? Like, yeah. Did he leave a note? Like, what what's going on? But guess who our bad guy at the end was? It was the bounty hunter. Uh, Remember? Yeah, Almost, we had to, yeah, it was the uh, second to the last. Near the bounty end, yeah, yeah, there was a bounty. Oh yeah, so we second came to last bounty. So, yeah. a bounty. so you're like, ah, there's that bounty hunter. Yeah. Like he he collected it. We ran into him, and so, I mean, the cards can absolutely provide a theme and kind of a narrative to your story. They're not like, it's not. They're not linear cards because obviously they're random, but they're. Um, kind of scenario driven in a sense that you could kind of create a story behind it too and have a fun narrative what what is great about this game is the theme is so powerful it's much it's it's basically almost identical to mothership you know because everybody can everybody can die (laughs) which is what caught my eye it's exactly which is why jay was into it it's it's the dark gritty future it's you know you're playing aliens you know and it's great. It really gets you in the mood and you, you start flipping the right before you flip the card, you have that moment of fear and that, that that's, that's proof of a really good game where you're like, Oh, yeah. what's going to happen next. Um, and so if you don't want to sit down and have somebody run mothership or something like that, or do an RPG, this is a great way to, to, you know, get that flavor, you know, it, like you said, in a very efficient, fast, fun way without, you know, without as much of an, you know, investment yeah. of times and building characters and a narrative and all that good stuff. It's, yeah. it's interesting. We had for Thanksgiving, we had, uh, you know, we have our, our small circle in the COVID times here. In our small circle is uh, my sister-in-law who lives near us. And so she came over for Thanksgiving. And uh, on, on the, the gaming coffee table I built, which uh, has gotten a lot of Woo-hoo! use lately. Uh, yeah. Go. Um, we played, uh, first we played a, a round of uh, marrying Mr. Darcy. <laughs> Which was a yeah. fun game, actually. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. We should review it at some point. Are there people Mary in your Mr. family Darcy. that listen to this podcast? Is that why you're doubling down on that? I don't know. It's fun. It's a fun game. But right. anyways, and right after that, I was like, hey, I got this other really fun game we should play. And everyone's in a, in a fun gaming mood. They're like, sure, let's play it. I'm like, Kate, you said yes. 
<laughs> and then I put the box down and open it up. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. But we had fun. We all had fun just rolling dice and trying to do stuff together, right? Yeah. And yeah. That's what it comes down to. Did but, we uh, did we say I mean, it's assumed that this is a cooperative game. I don't know if we explicitly spelled that out in the beginning. Yes, it is a hundred percent cooperative game. You're trying to yeah, you're trying to escape to the ship together and remember yeah. that every every station in that ship has to be manned, so if one person dies, then you lose the game. Yeah, I think it was heavily implied, but I don't know if we explicitly stated it. But, um, yeah, so you are swapping resources between each other. I mean, like, I remember one point Dan got an upgraded um, gun or, you know, melee weapon or something like that. And he couldn't fit it, so he's like, here, Jason, take this stim pack or something like that. And, you know, I needed some health, so you swapped me for something. And, um, you know, so you're freely able to do that and encouraged to because... It is a tough survival game. I mean, I'm I'm gonna be honest. I think we got lucky in surviving. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. It you came know? down to the final dice roll. It really yeah, did. It did. Yeah. So let's talk about the mechanics a little bit in terms of we've talked a little bit about you know how to do kind of the uh, the traps and the uh, encounterish mm-hmm. style things. Let's talk about combat for a minute. So another thing that makes this game fun to play is the different types of dice. They've got your crew die, which we talked about. Um, And then, depending on the type of weapon you get, there are two types in the base game. There are three types of ammunition. There's ballistic ammo, which is like bullets. There's, Mm -hmm. um, like, I think they're called, like, ray guns. Yeah. So you've got, like, energy weapons. Yep. And then there's explosive weapons. I don't think we got any explosive weapons. We didn't. But those are, like, rocket launchers and grenades, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so each one of those has their own dice. And it's all six-sided dice, just like you said, with different faces that kind of messes with the probability a little bit. Uh, so if you get if you get your ray gun, you grab – the ray gun starts with one uh, ammo. So you'll grab one energy dice and put it on your ray gun card. And then when you go to use your gun, you just roll that dice, and that counts as pulling the trigger. And then once you roll that dice, regardless of the outcome, that dice gets put to the side until you take the reload action again. Uh, so it seems kind of slow. It seemed like, oh man, you just fire all your guns, and then you got everybody's got to take an action to reload. But they have some mechanics in the game that make it make it still push forward pretty nice. And that is, uh, and that is that everyone. There are two types of combat. There's ranged combat and close combat. And if no one has taken a ranged combat action, you immediately go to close combat. And I'll say I really like this about the game because it makes you think. It makes you plan out how are we going to shoot as a team and are yeah. we all ready to go into close combat? Because if everybody shoots all at once, we're going to have a great round of shooting, but then we'll all be out of ammo. We'll have to reload. No one will have taken the shot and we're forced to close combat. And mm-hmm. once you go into close combat for a chapter, you can never go out of close combat. It's like you're face to face with the bad guys and it's it's you or him at that point. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so ranged combat is really cool. You roll your dice and you roll what's called a hit dice, which is representing the bad guys. And you, this, it's done simultaneously. And you know, if you get if you get a bullet symbol, then you get a hit. Um, if you get a hit symbol on the hit dice, then he hits you too, because it just represents you guys shooting at each other at the same time. Um, what uh, what is different about close combat is when you do close combat, you just roll your crew die, the same die you did to kind of do the traps and that stuff. On your crew die, everybody has this. A couple of the faces have a shield on it. So like they'll have the cunning symbol, but the cunning symbol inside of a shield just versus just the cunning symbol. If you roll a shield, it just means 
boom, you just blocked anything the guy could have ever done to hit you. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting because in ranged combat, when you score hits, you can kind of do whatever damage type you want. You can do might damage, wisdom damage, or cunning damage. But in close combat, when you roll your crew dice, it's only what the face value of the crew die was of the damage you do. So it's easier to kind of take do the type of damage you want in ranged combat, but it's also easier to get hit in ranged combat because you're always rolling that hit die. Whereas in close combat, you have to match exactly the same type of uh, damage that's on the bad guy's card, but you have a greater chance of rolling that shield um, to avoid uh, avoid damage. So it's there's these two types of combat. It's interesting. I'm not doing it justice at all, but uh, it, it's great because it adds, just adds a little flavor of to how not only how can you approach a card in terms of trying to overcome it, but how can you approach the bad guys in terms of how to attack them as well. It's really well thought out. They've really thought out, and you know, if you just play it, if you play two rounds of what Jake just explained, you get it. You're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This is great. This is great. This is great. You don't you don't need to. I mean, that's the one of the advantages of the game. It's just complex enough to 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 make sure it's not boring yeah. the next time you play it, but it's simple enough <laughs> it's simple enough to get you in the door and it's great. I think it has a one I'm looking at it right now, it has a one point seven out of five on the complexity rating on Board Game Geek. But it also has an eight point four out of ten on the rating. There you go. It's that yeah. perfect balance between, you know, um accessibility and playability. Because if yeah. the game is too accessible, like shoots and ladders, it's not playable later you're like oh that sucked why am i wasting time playing that yeah my kids um have really enjoyed playing it and they get it it's easy for them to understand i mean i can't i can't underemphasize. i sorry i can't sorry overemphasize how easy this game is for all ages to play yeah it really is i mean you flip a card, you read the scenario, you make your decisions, you may roll some dice, you may not, and then you move on. Yeah, plays you know? fast too. It plays in about 30 to 45 minutes if you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Actually, if you know what you're doing, I, when I play by myself, you can play solo too. You just pick two two crew members. It takes me, I can play it in about 25 minutes. Yeah. The whole game. Playing with friends, you know, because then you're socializing a little bit here and there. It's usually about a 45, 45 minute experience. Yeah, hey, we got to do better about not doing that during our games. Do we though? <laughs> it's not about having fun. <laughs> Shut up, we're playing. <laughs> roll the dice. Roll the dice. Roll the dice. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. It, it's good. But anyway, so st- uh, where do we get it, Jason? Where do you pick it up? So um, this company is a uh, UK-based company. So you can go to their website, Themeborn, T H E M E B O R N E dot com. Oh, so wait a minute. This is one of those European games. <laughs> so, so <laughs> right are we referencing like another episode like 20 episodes ago i don't know yeah i don't know <laughs> um so you can uh, get it on their website um yeah. if you want to support them directly um i mean any anywhere you purchase it you're going to be supporting them but uh, you can get, also get it on amazon i will say this it is it is about 10 bucks more on amazon than if you go to like ebay or do one of those eBay stores because there are some U.S. distributors that have them in stock, um, but the Amazon ones I think they're running about fifty six, fifty six dollars on Amazon, fifty five dollars on Amazon. I think I got my copy for forty five dollars from a an eBay store, okay, uh, brand new. 
Uh, and if you buy it from them, it's cheaper, but then you have to you have to pay for the shipping if you're I, in the U.S. I think just to kind of wrap up before you jump in and buy it, it is it is a very good game, and I do recommend playing it. My only qualm is I know they love their artwork because they've used this artwork across all of their different lines and the expansions on their castle yep. game. Mm-hmm. Frankly, it's not my cup of tea. It's very flat. It feels very kind of ninth grade artist. I know this guy's, they keep talking about the artist that does the, the work. And, and, and I'm not, I'm talking about the character portraits more than I'm talking about the, the scenes of gore. The scenes of gore are really disturbing and those are great. But I think we, when you look at the players, they all kind of look like schlumpy Norm, normal people yeah. there's kind of it, it kind of and, and maybe that's part of what you're going for in the maybe that helps sets the vibe but it came off to me as slightly slightly less polish a, a game that would have a, a kind of a more enticing graphic arts approach might be more popular i hate to say that because it, it it would pull you into the story in a different way this pulls you into the story by disturbing you it's an interesting uh, analysis, and I think that there's you've got some some truth to that. Um, if you were going to walk by and see this kind of on a shelf, you might look at it and be like, "Oh, that's what do they get eighth graders to yeah, draw this?" It looks a little yeah. homemade. <laughs> the art looks a little homemade, at least the, char- the that, character portraits, anyway. Yeah, and I think that's the theme too, because the same concept. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of got an indie feel to it. It's yeah. the same concept of like all of the mothership uh, expansions have that you know it's yeah. not it's very much almost a you know you've done maybe you're tripping a little bit when you drew that picture kind of a yeah, thing right. or uh, yeah a little little less polished i think maybe intentionally so but yep that's a good point i would you could get and you could get online board game geek and and check it out and i think most people have lots of pictures of all the cards there so you could take a look see if it's your bag or not yep and i i i definitely for gameplay i would definitely recommend it totally totally recommend it what are your thoughts, Justin, on it? I liked it. Um, how much did you pay for it again? Uh, forty-five bucks. I'd get it for forty-five dollars. Yeah, yeah, I get it. For, if it were like a hundred and fifty, I'd be like, There's "Oh no gosh, way. no!" Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know yeah, what yeah, I mean. Yeah. And and to be honest with you, I think any, I think forty-five is probably the top limit that I would pay for it. Um, yeah, I would agree. Um, I didn't feel robbed with forty-five, um, but if I had paid fifty-five, I would have been. It would have been feeling a little uncomfortable yeah well which yeah. is one of the major online retails has it for 59.99 i believe right now i could yeah. be mistaken so 59.99 oh i'd i'd have to be really desperate for it i think well you have, you also have to assume you have to factor in the fact that it, it's an import it's an import so that's true it, it had to cross the ocean in order for you to play it and I, right that's the thing is if you buy it over if you buy it directly from the store, I think it equates to something like under forty dollars of USD. It's like thirty seven dollars yeah, or something. Point. But yeah. then you yeah, you gotta do the shipping and all that. You gotta stuff. do the import and there's there's thing. a euro yeah. to dollar conversion thing in there too. So all that stuff yeah. all that stuff matters. I'm I'm not trying to get too precious about it, but um it's it 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 is a good game. It is a game you could put on your shelf and like Jay says, play a lot. Um, it, there's a, every, we all have games we thought we were going to fall in love with and buy and yep. it just, yep. and then it's two years later and you're like, look at the dust on this one. I don't think this is a, a dust builder game. I think it's a game you get out and play. Yeah. 
It's a and, good. It was a good one. Uh, listen, with friends, it was a lot of fun. Um, you can play a couple iterations of it and have a really good time. And it's so. co-op. A lot of people need co-op yep. games these days. I know we have a few people in our gaming group that hate co-ops and run the opposite way. But I would say if you're playing with couples and friends and stuff like that in a friendly game, co-ops are great. And this is a, a good co-op because you literally have to cooperate to succeed. If you, yeah. you, you will not, you will not succeed on your own without cooperating with others. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, you know, I, I kept, every time I play this game, I've kind of thought about it and trying, you know, what, what is it? Is there something about this game that I don't like? And the thing is, you got to realize if you haven't figured out yet, I like games that punish. Yes. Yeah. Right? I know. If you're someone, <laughs> right, if you're someone that does not necessarily like games that punish you, I mean, like to lose every now and then is okay, but at the end of the day, you kind of want to have a good, good winning experience. You're going to lose a lot at this game, mm. and so you got to realize that this is one of those games where you're you're playing it probably a lot more for the theme and the fun of just doing the mechanics than it is trying to win all of the time. So, out of five tabletops, how many how many tabletops do you get? <laughs> out of five tabletops, yes, that's funny. That's, this is going to be our new metric. This is our new metric. <laughs> um, I would give it uh, four and a half. Four and a half tabletops from Jason. What about you, Dan? Yeah, I have three tabletop leaves from my game table, literally right behind me. Um, but this one deserves four. It deserves four. I'll I'll give it a four too. I give it four tabletops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, little brown rectangles. I like this. Four tabletops. Four tabletops. Are you willing yeah. to go beyond just the tabletops? Now, did I break a rule? <laughs> are we allowed to do half tabletops? <laughs> uh, my tabletop is broken into three parts behind me. And you, three you, you, can break <laughs> it up. you can break it up. Dan was just asking if you'd do a tabletop and beyond. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I, I, I was. Uh, are you on some sort of Star Trek? Sorry. That was from uh, First Contact. <laughs> so uh great J jason thank you for the review this was a great game um uh we will say that uh we're trying to do some game demos on zoom and play workaround on zoom and i think that this is a great candidate to maybe take a capture some video of and throw it up on youtube so that people can see a demo of it and get a good sense of it before they uh purchase it but yeah. There's one of the few rules of podcasting that our listeners may or may not know that you should be putting in the equal or greater amount of time playing the thing that you're podcasting about. <laughs> it's true. Right. Yeah. Because it's very easy to fall into the trap of, I only podcast about this stuff and I don't actually do it. So yeah. if we have to take a week off to go play a game so we can have something to talk about next week, that's a winner for everybody here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was good. It was good times. So Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, we hope you found some value, and uh, may all of your gaming dreams come true. Yeah, take care. I love you. Goodbye. <laughs>